0: Hello. Hello. Oh no, 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 no! Something's not working. Uh, sound good to me. Yes, but hang on. Do I? Do, oh, now I sound better. There we go. Do I? Do I sound good? Sounds the same. Yeah. It, I. Uh, you, you. know what it was? Okay. So things. Things are. <laughs> things are awesome here. Um. So I. I just had. I hadn't turned up the micro. The. Uh, uh oh, little yeah. dial on the side yeah. of my yeah. my road podcaster. Yeah
1: yeah
0: uh, uh, I've I've got a uh you remember last episode I talked about a frog in my throat is he back he is he's still he's he's still I mean I think he's still technically here this might be just how I wake uh, up he now. never left yeah <laughs> he's moved in um <laughs>
1: Brought, he's brought a
0: few friends. He's brought just, the, just the one, just, a lot of yeah. luggage. A lot of luggage. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, uh, and so it, wh- one thing that I don't do so much in the morning before I talk to you is talk to other people. So, uh-huh. I, I, yes. yeah, <clears throat> mm, mm, there we go. Um, so, uh, so today's a new, it's a new iPhone day, um, for, on the internet. Are you, are you aware of that? Have you seen this? No. Yeah, yeah, there's new iPhones coming out today. Oh. Yeah, yeah the 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 iPhone 12. They they've got a big uh, announcement today at uh, one one o'clock. Uh, oh, time. I I did I I did I did
1: see that Apple and I thought I I thought I sent in a thing saying please tell me about this event or please put this event on my calendar I mean, yeah, but yeah, I can't yeah. see it on my calendar.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, it's on my calendar. Um, so the reason why I'm telling you this is because I did something mm. with my phone this weekend that I had not done before. You submerged it underwater. I did. I put it in the bathtub. Um, not on purpose, <laughs> not, not on purpose at all. Um, and it's still working just the way it did before. So, but I still think that it's a reason for me to get a new phone now, just cause I, and I'm using it naked now. I'm not, there's no case. I got no case. Yeah. Mm. well, because the, the case trapped a bunch of water in it. So I took it off oh, and nice. then, and I haven't put it back on. I feel it's like, it's almost like I have a new phone right now. Um, but I don't, <clears throat> so, um, so put this, uh, you know, we got we got new phones coming out the 12s. Did you, you have an 11 though? Right. I have a,
1: yeah, I have the, whatever the last year's model is. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, w- I, am, I am, I am, I am getting, getting a new watch. Oh, um, I,
0: I did order
1: the new Apple watch and it's coming um, soon within a couple
0: days. So. Nice. We um, D- Danny does not have the new I have a, I have a five in the watches. She just got a four um, because they were she she's she's a no frills kind of kind of lady. She she said, I don't uh-huh. I don't need the six. I don't need the five. Just give me the four. Wow. So, yeah.
1: So low maintenance,
0: low maintenance. Uh, and it's, it, it was, um, uh, it was, uh, not, not, not pricey. She's frugal. She's a, she's a frugal, no frills kind of lady. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my gal. Uh, <laughs> what am I, all of a sudden I'm, it's a, this is a, a podcast from the 1920s all of a sudden, um, or a country. Music song. Or a country yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, but uh, I'm, so I'm holding out for two, two things. I might've told you this, that I want, I want a new iPad pro and I want a new MacBook and, and I don't think they're making those d- announcements today. So, um, but, but I, th- that's what I, th- that's what's what my heart is set on mm-hmm. are, are those two, those two items. Um, so, Hey, so, yeah. so can we, I,
1: I, we, we'll, can we? this is Apple talk and now we're going to pivot to tech talk. Perfect. I just need to vent a little bit. Yeah. Um, so do you, how often do you get the thing where text expander says um, uh, secure inputs enabled by um, or secure input prevents expansion, all, right? All and the time. reason is login window. Yeah. Yes.
0: All the time. Yeah. And so it, I, I have <laughs> Do you have a text expander to deal with that? Cause I do not. I just have to, <laughs> no, I no, got to click and I, secure it. Yeah. I, I have a
1: text expander that, get, that lets me type the date automatically by typing D date. Um, and I was getting ready to, and I also have a text expander for food safety talk. And so I opened a, I opened a drafts window and I was going to start taking notes like of titles and stuff. And, uh, and it, and it's, and it's not working. So, but I'll just have to type things out like by, by hand, like, a, oh. like an animal
0: that's not good. Yeah, um
1: well, and the only way to fix it is to reboot, unfortunately. Right. Which we're which you're not doing cuz
0: well, well cuz we're doing a podcast. Cuz we're in the middle I of could. Yeah. it. would disrupt the show. Right, true, true, true. Yeah, Text Expander is um it's it's excellent. It's really good when it works and it increasingly for me it there are times that it doesn't it doesn't work right. Like and do you What I really don't like about text expander. Maybe I need another solution for this is the keyboard on the iOS for it. Like, like I need, I want, I want my, yeah, I just want my normal keyboard and I want my text expander links to work on it. And that, well, that can't, it doesn't work. There are, well, there are
1: apps I think that will support that. Like I think OmniFocus, you can say, um, just enable text expander. Oh. I didn't know that. I, I think so. Yeah. So, it, but again, that only works in that app. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure if that that was an old solution before they got the the iOS keyboards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All but right. but I, I tell you what, that 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 uh, command um, uh, forward slash to search your snippets that has been an absolute I, game changer for I me. I do like that next yeah. So good because there's so many snippets. Like I know I know I have a snippet for this. I just don't know what I called it. Yes. Um, Like I have one, I have one for, for risky or not to do the, the Libsyn, you know, where, where the, cause the Libsyn files are all named appropriately. And so I just have a little thing where I just type, I I think it's L I B R X for Libsyn risky expand. Right. Um, But I can never remember that. Um, And so I just type Libsyn and I just, you know, and then it's like, oh yeah, it's this one. So yeah, it's very good. That's awesome. But I don't, I don't think it's really TextExpander's fault. I think it's Apple's fault because they're locking everything down. And I wish – like TextExpander will tell you if there's an app <clears throat> that is blocking it, except that you also get this login window, which is like, well, we something is, something is not what it should be and something is blocking it. But we can't – it's something called login window, and we really don't know what that is. So yeah. we're just going to tell you it's – this thing that we don't really know what it is.
0: And, and, and someone, and please go change your, your privacy settings or allow, allow it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, what, so I, I'm, I got a couple of like non food safety things I wanted to talk about. Um, and mm-hmm. Cause this is,
1: this is a food safety podcast. Wow. You know that, right? Yeah. I mean, nomin- that's why people come
0: nominally nominally, um, come, come to the topic, stay for the voices, even with frogs. Exactly. Exactly. And, and 10 minutes from now, I'm going to talk normal when my frog leaves. Um, mm. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I, I think I might've like, I don't think we, I have not experienced this since the last time we recorded it. But I might have told you that I started. I'm going to start playing hockey, and I have now started playing hockey. No, no, this is this well. And this is this is this is could be pandemic related. Yes. Oh, <clears throat> apparently
1: your frog has jumped over to me. Huh? It could be <laughs> pandemic related, which is which is nominally about microorganisms. So I think right. well, I'll allow it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's pandemic related. So I started um, uh, playing uh, adult recreation hockey, which is. Uh, managed by the the arena that we that we play at, and so the 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 rink, as as I would refer to it, it put put a bunch of um pretty like decent protocols in place, um to to, to k- kind of say, all right, here here are the rules, right? Everyone's got to wear a mask, um even when you're in a dressing room. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we don't have a way to enforce that. Like we're not going to come in and check to see, you know, there's a bunch of people getting undressed. Are you all wearing masks? But let's go with the honor system, which we know how well that works for the, for the debates. Um, but let, let's go with, with the honor system and hopefully everyone will, will follow this and they, they limit. So, so here's, here's what a normal hockey situation for me was before, um, I would leave my house 20, 25 minutes before I wanted to get there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I, I would arrive. I would go sit in a dressing room, and I would talk with a bunch of people and have, like, a, a social time. And leisurely, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would get dressed. And, right. and it would take me – I'd like to show up a half an hour, maybe 35 minutes before my game time, uh, which, which, you know, it, it probably takes me um, somewhere in between 10 and 15 minutes to get fully dressed. So that that is that lingering is now gone. Um, and and as it as it should be. And it's you are down to business. You show up, you get dressed, you get on the ice, you play hockey, you, you come off, you get undressed, and, and those that dressing windows, you have you have 15 minutes pregame, 15 minutes post game. That's it. Uh, and then and then leave. And so that's I mean, that's what we've been that's what we've been doing. The biggest risk, and I, I think about this from a microbiological standpoint. Um, you know, in the in these dressing rooms. Uh, we, we're now limited to to five people per dressing room, and I would say it's not it's not an ideal situation. We've got everyone's everyone's masked up. Everyone is um, a, a more than six feet apart from each other, but I would say ventilation in that space is not not ideal. Um, so there's, there's a duct and, and it, you know, sometimes feels like there's air coming out of it. Sometimes not. I don't, I don't really know the particulars of it. Um, but then we go in the arena and we sit on a bench. So, so there's five skaters on the ice at one time and there are on, on my team, there are, uh, six, uh, no, sorry. Uh, yes. Uh, seven, uh, people sitting on the bench. And the bench is probably uh, twenty five feet long, um, so it's not. There's not social distancing in that in that setting, and and what what we've kind of done in these two weeks, and I I are, I you sit in your grouping. So I I play defense, and we sit on one end of that bench, and I I sit next to one person. So we we kind of had this conversation early on, like after our first shift, basically saying. I really hope that you're doing a good job of protecting yourself outside of this little pod. Cause I'm doing a pretty good job. And and I feel like you are now in my circle of, of trust because I don't have a, I, I don't have a choice now. We, we are now going to sit together for um, well over 15 minutes uh, o- over the course of this game. Cause you're on the ice for a minute and then you're off for a minute and, and you, you do that back and forth over the, over the course of, of an hour. Um, And so, so I, I I like immediately expanded my risk, my, my exposure, but I I think that it's still somewhat limited in, in that it's, it's the people that I'm, I'm most closest to, and it's in the time that I'm on the bench. So what I, you know, what, what I'm, I've kind of reserved myself, uh, on this is to say, okay, if there is a, you know, if someone uh, that I'm playing with tests, positive. We we're all, I mean, it's going to be very hard to parse out whether we're not in close contact or or are. So I think we all are. And, and everyone's going into, to 14 day quarantine, but I I don't know. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm battling with this Don. I don't, I'm not looking to you to make me feel better or worse about this, but I haven't really reasoned through it with anyone or, or talked, talked about it. I think I have increased my risk level by playing hockey um, I don't know how much and and I don't know I, I don't know I, 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 w- once I'm in the in the midst of playing a hockey game, I don't think about it anymore, but i but I am thinking about it before and after that hockey game. so so that but but as soon as you know as soon as you're we're we're out, um we get undressed, masks go back on, you get undressed really um uh, really quickly, and then everyone goes home. and, and so, so, yeah.
1: So just a few questions. So yes,
0: yes. <clears throat> when you're in the,
1: <laughs> yes, you there, um, when you're, uh, when you're in the dressing room, uh, getting dressed, getting, getting, you know, put, putting your, um, you know, getting dressed for the game or getting dressed for not for going home, right. You're all wearing masks. Yes. Yes. You're yep. not wearing masks while you're skating. Correct. Right. And you're also not wearing mask while you're on the bench. Correct. Correct. And, Be- and because, because just you need to, because you, you, you probably just been on the ice and you, you need to like kind of breathe and the mask would inhibit that.
0: I, I'm, it's actually not that it's the practicality of removing. Mm. And oh,
1: cause, the, cause you're wearing gloves. Wearing right? gloves.
0: And I've, right? and I've got a, um, a metal oh. face mask. Uh, so, fast. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, yeah, that, the practicality of that, um, yeah. when I'm, when I'm coaching hockey, which I have been doing um, a little bit, I wear a mask the entire time. So whether I'm on the ice or or off the ice and over the course of an hour, my mask gets wet. So I would Mm. expect that that would be the same thing in a a game.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Whereas if you're just wearing a mask, and and not coaching hockey, it doesn't because you're Correct. not exerting yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, as much as it would be when you're coaching.
0: Yeah. yeah and I think the temperature matters too, like not oh. to be a physics person, but yeah. I've got a bunch of hot, you know, uh, moisture droplets coming out of my mouth catching mm. or, and it's it hitting that cool air on the outside of the mask. Yep.
1: yep. 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 Um,
0: so yeah, so, so that's the, yeah. So anyway, go ahead, go ahead with your, with your further well, questions. Yeah,
1: well, no further questions, Your Honor. But um, yeah. I think, I think that that yeah, I mean, I think you have definitely increased your risk. Yeah. Uh, the question is by how much, and I think you don't really know because Correct. it really depends upon everybody else who is on your team, right, and what they're doing, and if any of them are being stupid and you know going to bars or whatever you can do there in North Carolina, which is probably more than you can do in New Jersey right now, right? Right. So
0: so and and so yeah. we, we had this conversation as a team um mm-hmm. before beforehand and so we mo- most uh, i mean everyone on my on my team um everyone's got either older kids or younger kids um they're everyone's working from home like with you know hockey's not a it, it's a it's a rich person's game right like it's you know people that I that I play with in in the US at least um people that I that I play with were were mm-hmm. all no no one are essential workers they're on, on the front lines, um, except for, except for two. And this, we, we did have this really interesting discussion. There's a, um, I have a, a doctor on my team, like not me, I'm a doctor, but not, but, a uh, as, as my family would say, a real doctor, an MD, <laughs> um, who, who is, um, you know, he, he's, he's in a, in family practice, um, and, uh, a physician's assistant, a PA. Um, and so those two are Pro- we, as we talked about this, probably our biggest risks, right? Like, yes, they are mm. um, uh, wearing masks all the time. They, they understand infection control, but they, are, um, they have a, a much higher likelihood of encountering someone who has symptoms. Um, right, right. Or, or, or not, you know, they're, they're just seeing a lot of people. Where everyone else on, on, my, um, on my team, we're, we're all at home. Um, Right and so, but it's, it's a very odd. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. My, I have increased my risk. I don't know how long I'm going to do this for. Mm -hmm. I, I really like, um, looked at this. We, we started up, this is the second week. Um, we started this up, um, you know, and, and, and as we are seeing cases, community spread increasing here in North Carolina. And, and I, I thought, you know, I, I may get I may get 4 weeks of hockey in and then I might decide to shut it down because of the because of the community spread. And I don't know. This is the this is the really hard part. Like you you nailed something here. I know my inc- my risk has increased. I don't know how by, by how much and I also don't know the threshold within the community that's going to make me flip a switch to say now my now now I believe that my risk has gone up so much that I I don't want to do this anymore
1: well and you and you also have to trust all of the Uh, other people on your team right and again not that they're not trustworthy and you guys did have a, a conversation that's great but it's only, it's like the you know that 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 trite phrase the weakest link right it, you're only you're only as safe as the least safe member of your team who maybe again I don't know can you can you go to bars in North Carolina what are the risky activities you can do and have have people you know have they pledged to not do them or are they going to do them right like and right. you know so. And then it also could just be like random. Maybe you know people are working from home, but except one day, somebody has to go in to to do something, and they get exposed, right? Or, or who knows? Who knows what? Right? I mean, because yeah. things are like I guess just as a f- for example. So let's just again, this sense that this is nominally food safety related, and so um, we're as we've shared before, as I've shared before in the podcast, we're in the process of selling our house, and one of the one of the things that we had to do. Was to have uh, pictures taken of the house, and the photographer came, and um, she was not wearing a mask, and we tried to stay far apart, but we spent some time kind of walking around the house together, and it was certainly more than fifty. The CDC, you know, fifteen minutes, but again, and we tried to 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 stay distant as much as we could, but you know, in the end, it was like, oh well, that's that's well. I mean, I guess I'm not going to tell the photographer how to do their job. I'm just going to try to stay the hell away from them, right? Um, and then. The other thing too is I as as I think uh, we we've definitely shared about it, uh, the 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 my first colonoscopy on the podcast uh, <laughs> we can now talk about my second colonoscopy um which also this time involved a covid test right and what they said was do the covid test and then, you know, five days before, and then we'll call you and let you know whether you can go for your colonoscopy. Because if you have, if you have COVID-19, um, we're not going to give you a colonoscopy. Right. And, um, and they also said, so after your COVID test, you need to isolate. Right. And right. If And, and here's the thing, Ben, you have to isolate and, and wear a mask in your house because you might get it from other people in your house, wow, which is was tr- like, wow, that's, that's, it seems a little extreme and I don't, don't tell him, but I didn't do that. Right. Right. Um, but, um, because I, you know, I, again, my, my wife is like fairly, not, you know, she, I mean, she goes out to do shopping and that's about it. Right. Um, but again, we, you know, we have, uh, and again, we, we did a home inspection, which lasted for, for four plus hours. And the ho- the home inspector, he's like, look, I have a mask. I'll put it on if you want me to. Um, but, but, I, I'm not going to put it on It's like that's fine. I'm going to wear a mask and I'm also going to stay away from you. I mean, yes. I'm going to stay close enough to have a conversation if we need to, but I'm going to stay away from you. And so, you know, we're all making these calculated risk judgments, but, but, it, you know, you know, and occasionally we might touch a trash can lid, which apparently is how you get, how you get COVID-19 in New Zealand, which we should, we should, I think we should talk about that. I think we're yeah. allowed as long as we don't reveal too much. Right. Like, but if some fascinating, uh, COVID-19 transmissions that apparently
0: happened in New Zealand. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and so I just dropped you three links. Yes. Yeah, that that I was are... gonna I was gonna ask you for these. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So so here's here's the other thing. And this is the like 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 I said, I'm I, I wanna reason I want I wanna I wanna talk through I wanna talk out loud about this with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. you, with you, I mean, specifically, um, because that's you, good. Cause I'm the only one that's here. Right, now, right, right, so. right. But, but here's like the, you know, here's, here's the, the stuff that weighs in my mind. And this is the, like, this continues to be the hard part. And I, and I like, I, I don't want to, um, I, I don't, I I don't, none of us want to be dealing with a pandemic anymore, right? Like I didn't want to deal with a pandemic so much in March, but they, there was some level of excitement of like, Oh man, this is crazy. But, but now I, now, now Don, it's, it's impacting my, my hockey and and it's now we've got, we've gone too far. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Right. Like the, like that's the, that's the situation here. So Working from home is one thing, but Jesus mess with a man's hockey. Oh gosh. What do we, what are we doing? Um, so, so here's the, um, so the three links that we'll, that we'll link to one, uh, something that, uh, that was published, uh, 10 days ago after we, after we recorded, uh, about, um, a, a Raleigh area junior hockey team, uh, their road trip turns into a super spreader COVID event. So I want to read from this article and and there's a couple of things that, that are not, not fantastic, but there's one, there's one thing that, that may be a bit of a jump and I want to get your, your thoughts from mm-hmm. it. Sure. So, um, the junior hurricanes premiering elite teams for prospective college bound players, aged 16 to 20, traveled to Marietta, Georgia for games last Saturday and Sunday, several players and staff tested positive for COVID-19 ahead in this. I want to underline that part of the trip and we're left at home, but players and staff who, who tested negative were allowed to travel and play. That seems like a really bad idea. Um, the, uh, that that's my, 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 uh, a- addition to this, uh, by Monday, more players in the junior hurricanes tested positive, at least 19 of their opponents with the Atlanta Mad Hatters have since tested positive as well, according to parents there. And there's a little bit of, I'll, I'll find another link here. There's, there's an Atlanta news story on this. Cause I've been, I've been following this. I find this somewhat fascinating. Um, and also, it kind of hits close to home because I know a bunch of these kids and and my or uh, a bunch of the I know the organization um, and and uh, and a couple of the kids and a couple of my friends from from hockey who I do not I'm not playing hockey with right now. They had um, uh, they're billet families. So they host these kids who come from all over. So they had, you know, these kids that, um, these, these hockey players who stay with them, they, they go to school, you know, go to online school. They, um, they host them in their, um, in their home for the, for the hockey season. Uh, as you know, that's, that's what billeting is. Um, and that's really like super common. So some of the billet kids got, got sick. Um, so one thing I want to draw your attention to, which is, and there you know, there's a whole bunch of things in here, like it's it was within the uh, league's protocols to to test and if someone tested negative, then they could go. Um, the the commissioner of the league was not uh, available for comment. Um, but there is uh you know somewhere here uh, in this article that basically says they believe that they, Transmitted the junior hurricanes team transmitted th- the the virus to the team that they played against, and I've been following this like closely, right? Like I'm I'm very interested in in youth sports and professional sports as it relates to transmission, and and I, I haven't seen this is the only example that I've seen where there is a thought that um one like and hockey is kind of interesting, they're close contact. You know, the CDC definition of close contact is, is this, you know, 15 minutes, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, um, uh, of the time that someone is contagious, but someone, it's not a magic threshold, right? And so is there a risk if for one second, a kid on one team is very close to another kid and coughs or breathes really hard? and those moisture particles or moisture droplets come out with with virus particles and it gets into the other kid on the other teams you know respiratory system could they develop the you know could could that transmit the virus and could they develop covid-19 it's not zero right like the chance of that isn't zero it's it, it but what where this like 15 minute threshold comes in is the majority of cases people are in close contact for prolonged time and, and th- so this, you know, I, to me, this kind of highlights that that could have happened. It could be that a whole bunch of kids on one team were, were not in the true CDC definition of close contact, but transmitted the, the virus to kids on another team or, and, and let me pitch you this, this other um, situation, community spread in both communities is increasing. And it could be that someone got it from community spread on the other team. We'll never really know that, right? Like that, there's there's not a way to to understand that. But this also now sort of plays into my hockey risk, right? Like what I told you early on was I'm I think the biggest risk is me sitting on the ice, uh, sitting on the bench next to someone, no one's wearing a mask. But there's still a risk of me being on the ice with a with someone on another team, even just in passing, that there's a there's a transmission chance. And again, it's not it's not the highest risk, but it's still there. It's still, and, and, I, and I don't know what the number is on that. Like, like, you know, there's a lot of factors. So,
1: well, and the, the other, the other thing I'll add in is, you know, one thing that's a little bit different about hockey from other sports is, well, a couple things that are different. Number one, I assume that you're playing indoors, right? Yes. yes. And number two, I assume that it's cold. It's very cold. <laughs> Right? Yes. And those are, and so those are, those are two things that we you know, see, see, uh, outbreaks in meat processing plants. Um, those are things that increase risk. Now it's probably not as risky as working in a meat plant, right? I mean, you're probably physically working harder, but you're probably more distant more of the time, but Again, I really, and I really, it's, I really, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm biased in how I think of this as a risk assessor, but it's a probability, right? Yes. And, and there is a, there is a probability. And, and w- what are some things that increase the risk? Well, air temperature, um, temperature does seem to promote uh, virus survival or reduce the rate at which viruses will become inactive. And. There's been discussion about droplets versus aerosols, and there's evidence that in some cases uh, the virus is excreted from people in aerosol form and, and aerosol aerosols are much more persistent uh, in the air than droplets. Droplets will settle out relatively quickly in, in a matter of seconds or minutes and, and aerosol's not, right? And so and then of course it's about it's about dose, right? I, I really, truly believe, even a single virus particle has a probability of making you sick, um, but the more virus particles you uh, you inhale, the higher the probability. And then the other really interesting thing here, and this was a this was a message that a friend of the show, um, Alex Cox, had sent to me, I think in Slack, but um, basically asking about a story which we should we should find. And talk about, but basically it was a story saying that one of the reasons why masks might help is that masks, if they don't prevent infection, will at least lower the exposure dose. And so, from a purely probabilistic point of view, the fewer the vi- fewer viruses you're exposed to, the lower your chance of illness. But and then again, this is all this is conjecture. This is not is not proven proven. But the idea that if you're exposed to a lower dose. And you get sick. You might be less sick than if you were exposed to a higher dose, right? And that, and that's part of the part of the maybe what the benefit that masks are having is that they're lowering the dose um, that we're exposed to. And so you you have to factor that into it. And it's you know it doesn't take very much thinking about this before you realize it's just it's quite it's quite complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: And and I, but but
1: yeah. I, I do want to come back to something that you said. <clears throat> okay. Earlier, which I think is a really good point. So some people on the team tested positive. Every other people tested negative and everyone that was negative went on the road trip. Right. Yeah. Which is like uh, it's not. <sighs> It's Again, they often often say, uh, Daniel uh, Griffin on on TWIV often says, well, so I was worried about my daughter getting pregnant um, before she went off to college, so we had a pregnancy test and she wasn't (laughs) pregnant, so we're good for four years, right? (laughs) No, that's not not the way that works, right? Right. Um, And so the question is, so, okay, these people tested negative. Well, the other thing is, you know, if, if you, you know, you, if you, if you become pregnant and you take a test the next day, you're not going to know. Right. So, so, so the key question would be, okay, so those people that tested positive, were any of them in contact with people who tested negative? Like let's, oh, yes. let's test and trace, right? Yeah. Let's, yeah. So who? So those people that were positive, who how did they get it? And then who were they around? And were they around any of the people that at the same time tested negative? And then maybe we should again, you can't do this cuz you got a hockey game, but you know, ideally, you should be testing, you know, multiple times leading up to the the road trip, which again, I I mean may not be practical or cost of, not cost effective because I'm sure it's cost effective but but, it, but people may not have thought all that through you know that that's really it's not just one test and you're good right again back to my that my earlier experience like oh well okay so I took a covid test 6 or 5 or 6 days before my colonoscopy that doesn't mean you know that I couldn't have got been exposed in in that interim time period depending upon what I was doing right
0: right so, right yeah. well, and and I mean and and so I don't know all the particulars so but but I I have been around hockey culture and enough, right? So, so you have a team of of players, two teams of players that practice together. They're in, uh, they they are trying to what you know what's described in this article is create their own bubble, right? But what that really means is. Similar to to you know our our pods and bubbles that we have in our social, and it, it comes. I mean, it, it literally comes back to exactly what you said, Don. These bubbles are only as good, or this pod is only as good as its weakest link. Uh, to mix all the cliches together, and so so you you've got sixteen to twenty year old. Kids who who are lifting weights, working out together, in dressing rooms together. Maybe they're wearing masks. Maybe they're not socializing together. They've all come from different parts of the country. They don't have a social network here. It's not. It's it's different from my kids who go home and 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 have their you know parents make decisions for for them. Um, they they are living with these you know billet families there everybody on those billet families are now in that bubble um and and, and you know the, the the team is is as you know that the bubble of the team is, is is as strong as whatever parent or sibling in the in the billet family is and and so what what's what's clear in these situations is that if you have a positive Test Right? Like this is all good until you get a positive. And then all of a sudden you've got to, to really evaluate who's in close contact and, and, and those close contacts need to go into 14 day quarantine. And that's not what would happen here. Right? Like it was, we, we had and I'll I'll read a quote here. We contacted the league. As soon as we had some positives, we contacted Atlanta, as well as their owner quote, we had plenty of players available. We're learning through this. We all felt with the negative tests, we were good to go. So obviously, we went and played. We were navigating through this, and and that that's the like that's the that's the real you know the real hard part here in this in this situation um, is that 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 could have led to the transmission of virus to uh, you know to another another team because these these kids are sitting on a bus. They're driving, you know six hours to Atlanta. Um, they tested one day negative. um we we know that that it's it, it, that th- that means when you tested it, there wasn't virus. Ew, your test was negative. There wasn't um you you may have been positive and not producing enough virus. You may have been negative. You may have been positive and it was a false negative. Like there's a lot of limitations and it was on the time that you gave that test and did, did someone then go do something after they had that, that test? We don't know. We don't know any of that stuff. Um, but it, yeah. So, so this one kind of hit close to home and then, and all this, and then I, I I shot you two more examples or one more, I guess that's, that's a, a, a good one, which is sort of shows the, um, the, the, potential amount of of exposure. So in Maine there was a uh, a hockey tournament that happened and an official so a, a ref who was on the ice tested positive. They estimated that he was in close contact with 400 people over right, the course right. of the tournament, which is right. not unreasonable. And right. so now you got 400 kids parents, well, kids and coaches uh, who are in quarantine from, from one, you know, from one individual. And and so anyway, it's, yeah, this isn't, I don't know. I like, like I said, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to, I wanted to reason through it. And I, and like I said, at the start, I don't know how long I'm going to do it for. Right, Right. You know, so for all these reasons and, and it's only a matter of time before my adult hockey league has someone who tests positive who could spread it. Um, and, uh, in our, in our, all of our youth leagues have the, have the same issue. Like, I, I don't, I don't think we're, I don't, I, you know, I don't think this is, uh, we're going to have a normal season by, by any means or, or even a, a complete season. So,
1: yeah, well, that's, that's, that sucks.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it sucks. But also I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like battling with my own decision to increase my risk. Like, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, that's, that, that's where, that's where, that's where things are out here. Um, I, well, I, di- I can't,
1: I didn't, I can't find that uh that article that, that Alex talked to me about. I did, I did find the wonderful XKCD cartoon about masks. Have you, did you see that one?
0: Yes. Yes, I did. Um,
1: I think I, I think I might've put that in the, in uh, in our, in our chat. So, yeah.
0: So should we, should we move to, um, because we, we've talked a lot about fomites, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about deep Kiwi, uh, yes. for, and protect, protect the innocent, uh, yep. because he, he, does he, he, he they, they don't listen to the podcast. Um, right. and, uh, it, but, but we're going to use some of, some of their words, yes. uh, but, but I did follow up and, and I believe, um, uh, personal communication is how we will reference this.
1: <laughs> yes, per- yes, this is this is cited. This is cited in this podcast as personal communication.
0: Yeah. So, so this starts uh, with with a, a tweet that that came to to us. Someone someone sort of tagged us uh, in this, and it came from uh, Carrie uh, Rudzinski. Uh, the tweet is: Americans enamored with New Zealand's handling of COVID don't even know the extent of how good it is. Our most recent small cluster of cases was followed in such detailed contact tracing and gene swabbing, gene swabbing, uh, that they traced two cases to a trash can lid and an elevator button. Uh, so that's that. That's what started us off on this. And the reason why you and I are really interested in this is our continued um, on-again, off-again relationship with fomites <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and their ability to... Well, it's a, the on again is is always their ability to be a transmission vehicle for SARS CoV two. What we're really interested in, and what what we really should title this entire podcast about, is what's the risk, right? Um, right. And, and 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 so, um, so you so you reached out to Deep Kiwi and said hi, Deep Kiwi. Um, uh, I know you're probably not on Twitter. But can you confirm any information in this tweet regarding the New Zealand cases being traced to trash can lids and elevator buttons? And why do we care about this, Don? Well, in, in food and, and beverage establishments and food, you know, sector, uh, buildings, there are both trash can lids and elevator buttons and, and things that are like elevator buttons. So we, so, so if this, if this, you know, is, uh, if this is something that's, that's real, we re- really, kind of want to know more about it um, when it comes to what should we be doing for disinfection um, of, of those surfaces. Um, and so, so let me, I, I guess, let, let, me read the, the response and then, and we'll let's do this case by case. Okay. And I, I want to get your, your, your takes on this. So um, uh, deep Kiwi says, hi, Don, here's a very simplified summary, but as accurate as can be case number one, Managed isolation for returning Kiwis. 14 day stay, tested day three and day 12. Maintenance worker, contracted COVID-19. WGS, so whole genome sequence, same as a recently returned woman from the US. All investigations and CCTV footage, so closed caption TV footage, suggests that the woman was in a lift, which is an elevator for those of us not in, um, in New Zealand or the UK. Uh, right and probably South this Africa. Is,
1: this is this is not the uh, a service that's an alternative to Uber.
0: Right, right. Yes, was not in an, an Uber, uh, but she was uh, uh, the closed captioned TV footage suggests the woman was in a lift one minute before the maintenance worker, and that they <laughs> touched the same button. No further evidence. Uh, I rest my case, counselor.
1: Yeah. So, and I think as as you pointed out, Ben, um, I think it was you that pointed this out. So they're in the elevator. A minute apart, right? One so, minute. Yes. 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 They are sharing the button, but they're also sharing the air in the elevator. And 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 I think I think and again, if this was if this was, I think it was you that said it was, this. It was it,
0: not. But I'm going. to uh, oh, correct okay. you in a moment. Yes. Okay.
1: So, so obviously, it, it, again, droplets. I don't I don't remember what the what the settling time is for droplets, but it might be it's one minute is kind of on the edge of it, I think. Um, just 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 guessing here. But aerosols, sure, absolutely, there could be aerosols hanging out in that elevator. So yeah.
0: Right, right. It was it was um uh friend of the Mich- friend of the show, Michelle. Daniel <laughs> friend, friend, friend of the Michelle show friend of the Michelle show, friend of the Michelle, um, who is not banned from listening to this show, but she is respecting the earlier band, or she's not respecting the unbanning. Um, because she was banned from listening for a while, uh, so she she pointed out uh, you know almost immediately the uh, the uh, poor air in a lift uh, mm-hmm. show, show title uh, and uh, and yeah so the so so that was that's that's number one so that you know so no further evidence on this but uh, fomite or small enclosed space and I wouldn't you know I would guess that um, the ventilation system in an elevator, I mean, think about the elevators just in our university buildings, right? They're not like high tech. I don't think that there's this uh, um, air exchange to the outside from an elevator. Uh, so that, 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 you know, whether, whether it's the button or the air, um, it's the lift, right? That's small enclosed space. Right.
1: Right. And what we, what we don't when we have CC, well, someone has CCTV footage. I would be really interested to know, um, were these people masked? And and Uh, I'm going to guess that they were not right. Um, if they were, it does change the calculation about the risk from the button versus the risk from the air to some degree, I think.
0: Yes. Yes. Case number two managed isolation man tested positive on day 12 a day or so prior to that he had stepped out of his room and put rubbish in a bin (laughs) Mm -hmm. used hand to lift lid bins now changed to foot operated did not sanitize hand gel beside bin investigations and CCTV what I've learned here is that there's a lot of CCTV (laughs) in New Zealand Uh, Investigations in CCTV footage show the woman with infant on arm from next door room used the same bin within 30 seconds. Didn't sanitize hands after touching lid. They only... um The only
1: two that use that that bin. Yes.
0: Yes. It's a, it's it's a, you know, that's a little known New Zealand, uh, 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 phrase. He's
1: deep kiwi is uh, efficiently writing.
0: Yes. She was released with a negative test and flew with others on charter flight back to AKL Auckland. All passengers wore masks. Uh, a couple of days later, the woman developed symptoms as did her husband, as did the man sitting immediately in front of her on the plane. All had unique WGS with appropriate ancestral mutations that link back to an original flight from India on which the original bin man was on. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if the bin man is, I'm not sure if the bin man is, is, if that's his occupation or his descriptor. Um, I think it's
1: just as a descriptor. I
0: think it's a descriptor. You know, it's just, he's the original, he's the man that originally touched the bin, right? From, from earlier in the story. He's the OG bin man. Uh, Only, only contact between them was the bin lid. No apparent contact between the woman and the man on the plane to AKL. Although he may have helped with doors, bags or latches because the woman had a child in arms, both cases, circumstantial, but suggestive. Um, and so this is, like, these two cases are are fascinating. And this is, like, like, kudos to the Kiwis because this is the kind of stuff that that I think is overwhelming our public health resources here in the U.S., right? Like, to get into this type of detail for the – I think yesterday we had over 200 cases just in my county and surrounding counties. There's no way that we're doing – this type of contact tracing, when when you have a country that largely has the virus under control and there's only, you know, each case is really special, you have the ability to do this kind of detailed work, and it's f- like helping all of us, right? Like this, this is this is fascinating. Um, we we did have a discussion, in another meeting yesterday about because I asked, um, I asked Deep Kiwi. Um, are these details available anywhere we can point to fomite investigations are so novel. There just aren't examples at all. And, and this is what he responded. Unfortunately, no ministry of health responsibility, personal communication. Um, and, 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 you know, there are places to, to share these stories in MMWR, but, but are, I mean, uh, Don, let me, let me get on my soapbox of how we aren't prepared to manage this pandemic still and don't have the resources to, to actually get into this kind of stuff, which is super useful and, and don't have an ability to, to publish these things because everyone is, is out managing it. And, and it, and it's only because we, we were, we're dealing with so many, so many cases, but, but I want to, I, you know, I guess I want to take, get your, your take on, on case number two here. Cause I also see, as I read back through this now, I also see some aerosolization, uh, uh, possibilities, right? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: same bin within 30 seconds, same. right? and yep. so they are in they and 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 well, and it says it it kind of it kind of says two things. so so number one, And again, there's, there was a paper that was just published that, that I, I was asked to comment on for the, for the media and we'll, we'll, we'll link to the, we'll link to the story and we'll link to the article, uh, basically showing, well, Ben, it can now live for 28 days on surfaces, right? Um, which is, again, I'm, I'm saying that with Richard fingers, right? But. There's new data showing the virus can apparently, in, the, in under you know, in in laboratory experiments, can persist for a long period of time. And so I think so. Number one, the time intervals here are very short, and so it could be aerosols. But also the time intervals are very short, and there's and there's there's some reasons why. Um, and this was, this was pointed out to me by someone who emailed my new internet friend, uh, Manny Goldman from Rutgers Newark, uh, for, who had the Lancet article on fomites basically saying, well, you know, all of these laboratory experiments, they used, they use simulated mucus instead of ac- actual mucus and actual mucus actually has things in it that are antimicrobial because that's what mucus is supposed to do. Right. Right. And right. So, yes. um, so I think one thing I do want to underscore from both of these stories, whether it's fomites or whether it's, it's aerosols is the incredibly short time interval. Right. And again, I'll, I'll point back to the Singapore church article that are the Singapore church cases that I, that I talked about before on the podcast, where two people that were, Uh, a pre-symptomatic sat in a church pew or a seat in a church. They didn't call it a pew. So seats in a church. And then uh, somebody else came for the next service and sat in the same seat. We know that from CCTV footage. And then that person got sick, you know, um, uh, quite a number of days later. So again, suggesting it surfaces, but also pointing out that it's surfaces in, in a short period of time. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not 28 days. Right. Um, so, yeah, anyway.
0: Yes. Well, and 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 this is you know, this is where things get I think important for us in in the in in the food world, right? It what we really need to be looking at is not and you know, this is maybe this is where you're you're already at and I'm just like ha- having some like level of catharsis. We need to think about the environment, right? It's the air, it's the airflow, it's the aerosols, it's the you know, high touch surfaces all together. We we it's not one is good, one is bad. All of these things are interacting with each other, even with these very detailed examples from Deep Kiwi. We can't parse out whether it's surface or not. It's easy to point out one or the other in a tweet or in a headline, but it is it's the environment that's complex. And and we just don't have enough information and data on these cases to to say which you know, which is, which is it? And, and maybe it doesn't matter, right? Like maybe, maybe what matters is if people are in the same environment, very close after one another or, you know, adjacent to one another, um, that's a, that, that's a risk. And that's something that's like super difficult to control in public spaces, but relatively easy to control in food environments, right? Like we don't know what the magic threshold is, but before shifts are changed, to add additional time, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, with, with each minute, that's probably reducing risk. You know, if I think about um, a meat and poultry processing plant that's running three full shifts, right? Like in, in our you know eight, three, eight hour shifts, it, it certainly will change my output if I stall, 15 minutes between each shift, right? Like that's, that's 30 minutes in my, um, well, or 45 minutes in my, in my day that I'm not running, running my line. But, but does that, that 15 minutes that lets aerosols, um, maybe settle and changes the, um, maybe changes the dynamics of the, of the fomite may, may be a good risk reduction step right? Like, but it's about the, it's about time in the environment, not, not one or the other aerosols versus fomites. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So the the extent to which time is important is, is is something that we're still wrestling with. Right. But, uh, but well, and on the one hand, you know, we're kind of saying two different things, right? On the one hand, CDC says, well, you have to be in somebody's space for 15 minutes, right? Whereas that was not true in this case, we are saying that, you know, it, you need to be in, you need to be in the company of an infected person in the space that an infected person was in, you know, within a couple of minutes. Again, yeah. it's, I, yeah, people, peop, I mean, it's, it's confusing and we were, we're at this point, we're just, we're speculating, but, and trying to, trying to, trying to make sense of all the available data and trying to kind of fit all this into a mental, a mental model that, uh,
0: that makes sense. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and I want to come back to, there's nothing magic about that, that 15 minutes. It's just, right. Like it's, it's the, the, I I think I like, and I, if I remember this uh, correctly for the justification, it's the, in the early on contact tracing data, 95% or 98% of cases had been prolonged more than 15 minutes within six feet. Right. Like, so, so, so even whatever that missing 5% or missing 3% or 1%, you know, when we're, when we're looking at just the vast number of, you know, uh, illnesses in the, in the community, it's still, it's, it's probably both of those things, right? Like the longer you're around someone certainly increases your risk, but, but only being around someone for a short amount of time doesn't make your risk zero. And, 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 and that that is the same for being in that environment after someone has been in there isn't zero, right? It's, it's less or whatever. Yeah.
1: Right. Ooh. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, and the other thing that, that people have been talking about a lot is, um, which I'm, I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're using the phrase super spreader events. Yes. Um, rather than super spreader people, but cause we don't really know if it's the person or it's the unique confluence of events. Maybe it's a person who, is at the peak of shedding the virus and it's a scenario where there's a lot of inhalation and exhalation again i keep coming back to the choir practice example right like a you know very good example of a super spreader event because you have a bunch of people indoors all breathing in and breathing out a whole lot and uh, and you have one person uh, who is at peak peak you know, shedding of the virus. And then, and then you can see a lot of people getting, getting sick from that. And then trying to figure out like, okay, how does that relate to scenarios in meat processing plants or, or other, other situations? So, yeah.
0: Well, and, and the event itself is a, like, part of the mental model of that you we've got the person, right? You have the activities of the event. So, so for instance, if we were thinking of um, a large uh, ceremonial gathering on the front lawn of a, of someone's house, um, the people's house, uh, where there's a lot of hugging, um, that that's part of the event, right? Like the activities, right. Right. Uh, But then there's the environment. right And
1: then wedding weddings and funerals, right. Like we had super spread events at weddings and funerals. What are people doing at weddings and weddings and funerals? Well, they're probably emotional, right. They're probably doing a lot of hugging, maybe crying, although we don't know that tears spread COVID-19. Right. But,
0: um, and they're in each other's personal space a lot.
1: Right. And so, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's a factor of, the people, the environment and the actions, right? Like those are, exactly. those, yeah. The, it, and, and that's, that, that's exactly why it's a super spreader event that encompasses all of those. Not like, as you said, a, a, it's not about one person. It's, it's about the factors that, that, that person then interacts with others. Um, in.
1: um, yeah. Oh, and I did, I did, by the way, I did find uh, this art, the article that Alex Cox had emailed me about. Actually, I think she emailed me about a newspaper article about the article, but, but I found the article from New England Journal of Medicine, uh, face masking for COVID nineteen potential for variolation as we await a vaccine, and and the reference there to variolate variolation. I'm, I'm think I'm saying that correctly, uh, is uh, uh, is a process whereby people who are susceptible to smallpox were inoculated with material taken from a vesicle of a person with smallpox with the intent of causing a mild infection so there is a, a precedent for this so um yeah so anyway it's a it's a we'll link to this that article in show notes it's 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 an interesting one again it's just a bunch of uh, well md mph and another md just sort of speculating but but i think it's uh you know i mean it's, it's speculating in a rational scientific way with references <laughs> <laughs>
0: which is which is good yeah 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 exactly um, exactly. All right. So I want to, I'm going to steer things a little bit here, Don. Uh, Go for it. Yeah. No, I'm, Cause I'm not steering this boat. No, we're, we, we ste- were, the boat. we're co-captains on this cruise. <laughs> uh, this this uh this public health and food safety cruise. Okay, so I wanna talk and and it, something you mentioned earlier and we were talking about testing, uh it also made me think about something that that popped up this week uh or since we last recorded on Twitter and then I've seen a little bit of coverage on this, and it's kind of a, a um a new it's a bit of a curveball that uh that has all of the intrigue of food safety. It's got international trade, it's got outbreaks, it's fresh produce it's got the industry there's some there's some e coli california's involved i mean so it's a lot it's all the good it's all the best things so um i the first uh, article i want to highlight is uh, was was in the packer uh, which is one of the maybe greatest names of any food related uh, publication the packer is about packing produce uh, tom carse uh, writes on october 1st surprise canadian plan on romaine import requirements raises alarm. Um, and so the uh, article goes on to say, proposed regulations that would impose testing requirements on Canadian imports of romaine lettuce just from California's Salinas Valley are raising concerns for growers, buyers, and industry associations. And I think, I can't remember if it's Salinas or Salinas. Is it, do we, Salinas. 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 Salina. Salinas uh, Salinas Valley. Uh, uh, the Canadian food inspection agency wants to require importers of romaine, uh, from California, Santa Cruz, Santa Clara, San Benito, and Monterey counties to provide a certificate of analysis for each shipment to demonstrate that the product does not contain detectable levels of E. Coli O157H7. Right. So a specific pathogen. Um, this is the fun part. Draft regulations of this plan were released on September 28th. Um, so this information dropped September twenty eighth. It was reported October first. It it became in effect October fifth. So it was it was like here's a week. Go go figure this out. CFIA, which is the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, will allow imports of romaine lettuce if, from the U.S. if the importer has a valid Safe Food for Canadians license. The importer identifies where the romaine was grown. California romaine has been handled by a California leafy greens marketing agreement member, Arizona Romaine has been handled by an Arizona LGMA member Romaine lettuce from the four California counties has a certificate of analysis demonstrating that sampling was conducted according to the sampling and testing requirements. And the product does not contain detectable levels of a one five seven. And if a declaration of origin of the Romaine lettuce is not available, a certificate of analysis must be provided. So, um, so so there you know there, the article goes on to say hey this is a surprise um you know it it, it is not um you know there's there some quotes from folks in the industry saying this is not workable um uh you know someone uh someone who we know trevor suslo uh who's vice president of the food for uh, food safety for the product produce marketing association says there are substantial concerns which have been raised by multiple associations in canada and the U.S. and expressed in very, very clear terms to the appropriate public agencies in Canada, there would always be there would always have been logistical, tab, le, technical capacity, and precedent issues of concern, um, and there have been adequate time to work out a compliance program. But dropping this eight days before it goes into effect has been uniquely troubling. Um, so, and then I want to so that, so that's the original sort of coverage. Uh, Food safety news had an, had a. Um had a quote and so the second article I sent you uh, has a quote from uh, Scott Horsfall, um from uh, the um, uh, Leafy Greens Marketing Association. And so he says, um, the imposition of this type of requirement at the last minute is re- really problematic. Um, uh, where is it here? Uh, it is not possible, Horsefall said it is not possible to quote, test your way to food safety. He pointed out the importance of preventative measures on the farm and in processing facilities. So, I, I guess what I want to want to oh. highlight uh, what I want to highlight here on this is that it's not just testing. Testing is what we've kind of talked about a lot. But but it, it, if I, you know that bulleted list that I went down actually says you've got to be a member of the Leafy Green Market Agreement. You've got to have some sort of a license from the safe safe food for Canadians, which is basically the Canadian FSMA, um, you have to identify where it was grown and you have to have a certificate of analysis. So it's, it's not just, and, and I, you know, I don't want to, um, you know, belabor the point of dropping this, you know, six days or a week before compliance date, but it isn't just a testing requirement. Although that's kind of what the, what all the pushback is, has been on. So what are your, what are your thoughts on this? you can't oh i can hear you now hello dawn i may have lost you oh, Okay. i heard you just briefly there
1: how about now now
0: now yes now yes very oh, much God. i'm
1: Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I got a, some sort of a fault in my microphone, um, and plus, my dogs are going nuts. So, ah, um, uh, so I, I was—I originally was going to say um, you—you—you really—you really need to start with the food safety news headline. Uh, fresh produce industry never likes testing, such as that now imposed by Canada. Okay, Dan, uh, Dan Flynn, uh, author of the article, tell us—tell us how you really feel. So, yes, um. Yeah, I mean, I get, I for sure, I, I mean, I can, I can think, I can see both sides, uh, right? Because I'm a straight shooter. Yeah, both sides of um, this, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, you know, and I, I think, and again, we uh, not only did they quote uh, Trevor Suslow in the Packer article, they cho- they quoted Jennifer McIntyre, who's also. Uh, a friend of ours and friend friend of the show. Uh, And she says, if you look at the technical requirements, there are challenges with those too. noting that the way the draft regulations define a lot conflicts with most commonly accepted industry definitions. And so what I don't get, the weird thing is like this is to, and again, and Trevor comments on this as well, to drop something like this with just a few days notice is very disruptive. And it doesn't, it doesn't make anybody happy, right? Like the these these sort of negotiations take take time, and it's not. And again, I'm not trying to shill for industry. I'm just saying, like like it's you may you may there's sort of this view often of regulators as these naive people who sit in their offices and propose stuff without ever getting out into the field. And, and, and that is a bit of a, a caricature, but it's also kind of true, right? That like, you know, you really need to talk to people in the industry and the way, cause you, you have a mental model and I've seen this too, just in my own work, you have a mental model for the way the industry works, but that may actually not be the way the industry actually works. And so you really should go and find out how things are before you start trying to fix them. Right. And this whole idea of defining lots in a different way than how the industry defines them, that's a non-trivial problem to solve. Because it because it means that, that they're gonna the industry is gonna have to manage the this problem in a different way. So yeah,
0: it's yeah. So so what so what is really fascinating about this? I I agree. I think to drop something like this, it, it, and I'll you know I'll, well this is a place this is the the podcast where we are allowed to speculate and dither, right? It mm-hmm. it, it, it it smells of um, a trade barrier to me. Right, it it, it smells. Yes. It smells of, oh, hey, gosh, we just looked at the calendar here in Canada, and I'm a Canadian, right? So, so I'll, you know, I'm allowed to uh, speak poorly about my my uh, country folks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks, it, it's like, oh, gosh, hey, oh, hey, uh, hey, uh, we we just looked at the. That was my Canadian accent. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, oh, oh, gosh, hey, we're we're. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's a Minnesota accent, uh, which is not true at all. Uh, we forgot that it, it it's the time of year that we get lettuce from the, uh, you know, the, the Salinas Valley. And so, um, we should probably put some testing requirements on that and, and maybe delay that so we can protect our, um, you know, industry here that might be like greenhouse. I don't even know who's producing lettuce, um, uh, but maybe hoop house stuff this time of year, just for a couple of weeks um and and see how that goes uh i don't i and, and but but it, you you nailed it um Jennifer uh, uh you know obviously her her comments are are exactly bang on and i want to highlight something else from the packer article from um Jane Proctor vice president of policy and issue management for the Canadian Produce Marketing Association the Canadian industry said that CPMA and other stakeholder organizations were caught completely off guard by this announcement mm. so The Canadian industry didn't know about it. CFIA just like kind of dropped this. And this kind of puts everybody into a weird spot. Why not have this conversation in June, right? Yeah, yeah. uh, And saying, we're thinking about doing this. We know, and, and I get the timing of it, right? Like if we look back 2017, 2018, 2019, we had outbreaks linked to Romaine and Leafy Greens that were originating from that specific geographic location that affected both Canada and the US right like that's why the last 3 years at US Thanksgiving I've done a bunch of media interviews about you know should we have caesar salad with our turkey which is not a traditional side in, in but but it it's a good lead uh for for the world of of media um but but why you know I don't know but, why why have know, this conversation wh- now
1: a really good time to have a conversation would be Um, like after Thanksgiving, right. Or January, and then you have a whole nine months leading up to this. Right. Yep. And, and so I guess maybe, so maybe I can imagine that after the after the third year of problems, somebody sat down and started to work on this and then if they worked on it and they got, you know, they got sidetracked with other things, maybe, you know, COVID-19, and then they're like, "Oh well, crap! It's we kind of got to we got kind of got to throw this 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 thing over the wall and get it out there because we were coming up on this. All right, well, it's good enough, right? Let's go." And it I just don't. It's I don't think it's gonna end well for uh, for public health, uh, public health agency of Canada and Health Canada, right? It just it makes them it makes them look kind of stupid. Yeah. Right? No, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, it's that it's this is not a good look. I and, mean, yes, good. Go protect public health. But but Jesus, you know, do, this is not how we do.
0: Right. <laughs> and, and also, like, let us know let us know the rules, right? Like, like, and I think that's in
1: in time, in time to adapt to them or at least argue with you about the finer points, right? Let's have some back and forth about what's workable. And we like, we see where you're trying to go with this, but let me, let let me tell you why this is, this is not going to work for us. Right. I mean, and the ultimately the consequence is going to be that there's, there'll be a romaine lettuce shortage in Canada and there may also be lawsuits. If this is shown to be a non-tariff trade barrier, you know, and it goes all the way to the WTO. There's there, there's, there'll be lawsuits.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, and uh, yeah. uh, Anyway, I, I, I thought the, there hasn't been a lot of public discussion about it. I mean, just the the Packer, and I, I'm sure there is a ton of discussion within the produce trade associations and regulators. Like, I'm sure this was a surprise for FDA as well. Yes. Um. Yes. You know, and and so I'm sure there's a lot of back and forth going on behind the scenes that you and I aren't privy to, but um, but it hasn't really like, you know, the the news cycle, even in our normal food safety news cycle, this hasn't really hit the, you know, a lot of discussion. And it and it is significant. Like this the other thing that's interesting to me is singling out 0157H7, right? Like like why not why not say no sugar toxin producing E. coli? Or right. no right, right. Like where you can where the assay for those two things is is relatively you know, the same. Or no, you know, we know we've had 0157H7 outbreaks from you know in, in the past, but but if we're gonna require a certificate analysis, I'd also want to see Salmonella on that list. Um and if you're gonna do the sampling, go ahead and do it. So that that's also I don't know, odd to me. Um, but it's you know it it I you know like you said I kind of see both sides. It's just the timing that is uh surprising. Um. There was something else I wanted to wanted to talk to you about. Let me see. I, w- I was doing some. I was doing some work this morning while I was I while I was laying in bed, making sure that my one kid was up in time for his seven thirty a.m. class. I went back to bed and, and went to the went to the uh, my 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 now naked iPhone that was uh, washed in the in the bathtub. Um. Uh, well, let's well, while you're while
1: you're doing that, we do have some um, listener follow up. Let's do it. So, um, we we've and and so here's here's the thing. So we have. Um, we have this other podcast that we do that is not really designed for follow up. Um, and so we're going to do follow up for that show on this show. Uh, although we might, we might periodically revisit issues, but, but I think we need to let them sit for a, a little while. So, um, so, uh, so first of all, um, a brand newly retired, uh, and friend of the show, um, uh, let, let's call him, uh, uh, what's a good name for him? Um, deep, deep fed deep X fed. <laughs> um, yes. Um, uh, who, who is, again, a friend of ours who, who worked in academia for many years and then, uh, went to, uh, another job in academia and then went to the food and drug administration and who's now retired and who apparently now has lots and lots of free time where he can listen to our <laughs> podcast and then send us feedback. Um, we had on the last, uh, on the last episode, uh, we talked about, or on some, oh, I, this was, uh, yeah, this was on the riskier not, where we talked about phytohemagglutinin <laughs> and, uh, and, and and this is just a one-line message. Check the Bad Bug Book for info on phytohemagglutinins. And so we will absolutely link to the the Bad Bug Book um, uh, uh, chapter on phytohemagglutinin, uh which is which is good uh, good information and feedback for an episode of Risky or Not that we uh, posted recently. And I will let me just uh, put this in the internet so we can find this. Perfect here quickly. Um, uh. you know, Ben, I have,
0: go ahead. Well, can I, now that, now that D feds no longer in the, in the fed, can we put a call out to, um, the, the publishers of the bad bug bug book, which is a, a an excellent resource that could use some design, uh, love. It, it is uh, very, very. You know, there there are many um, uh, authors and editors, and and I I don't want to I don't want to call out everyone, but this is a, a many you know many FDA scientists who put this together. I think it it could use some uh, some some non uh, PowerPoint or Microsoft Word design to make this a, a much nicer uh, book.
1: <laughs> well, and it could be it could maybe actually be an actual web page instead of a PDF uh-huh. linked PDF, uh-huh. but. I'm just saying, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's no way. Wait, oh, this is weird. So yeah, you could, so we can we can we can we can link to the bad bug book and you can scroll to the bad bug book and then you can um find the chapter
0: but that but then you click yeah. on the
1: chapter and it moves you in the web page to the chapter but it doesn't yeah, it doesn't actually change the URL. So yeah, that needs some work.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, uh and, and anyway, there's a really good um like three pages on phytohemagglutinin uh on and it is known as kidney bean lectin. Uh yes. in there. And it's and it's good. They they do um actually Don, I mean, you know what? This might be a good um uh, you know you know our new new segment of ABCDC plus. Uh yes. <laughs> so let's 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 move cuz I didn't prepare anything for ABCCDC plus this week, but let's make this uh-huh. AB a, B, F, D, A plus, um, and okay. there's a, you know, for consumers, a snapshot, uh, in the bad bug, bug book, uh, let me read this. Beans are a great deal nutrition wise and cost wise, but be sure to cook your kidney beans well. If you eat them raw or undercooked, they can cause you to have extreme nausea, severe vomiting and diarrhea. They contain a protein that's found naturally in many plants and animals, including humans, so don't eat humans, where it performs important functions. But when it reaches high levels in some plants, particularly kidney beans, the protein can act as a toxin. Cooking the beans properly destroys the toxin. Don't, and that's italicized, use slow cookers, the kind of pots that you plug in and that cook food low at, temp- cook food at low temperatures for several hours to cook these beans or dishes that contain them. Slow cookers don't get hot enough to destroy the toxin in kidney beans. Studies done by British scientists suggest that beans should be soaked in water for at least five hours, the water poured away, and beans boiled in fresh water for at least 30 minutes. So Don, um, on this uh, episode of... A B C D C slash A B F D A plus, how would you rate that consumer messaging?
1: Well, so number one, it was kind of long. Um and it was kind of confusing. And also I was not really paying attention because I was looking for the episode of risky or not, where we talked about kidney bean lectin, which we did not do. We actually did it on this podcast. Uh, and it was food safety talk Two Twenty. It's so close to testicles.
0: Oh, right, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs>
1: which, but it really should have been an episode of uh, risky or not, uh, because we could have said kidney beans in a slow cooker risky or not. And I think the answer would have been risky. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that was kind of uh, that was kind of some complex messaging. Can you, can you send me a link to that page that has that?
0: Oh no, I can't see that's, and that should factor into your, oh. to your, um, your decision making because it is in the bad reading bug from book the bad bug book that yeah. yes, that is not uh, linkable. Um, so uh, yeah. Yeah, minus minus one, let me just tell you, uh, for that, if we want consumers to read it, it's, it would be very uh, beneficial to include a link to it somewhere. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's okay. It, uh, so don't
1: use slow cookers and then, um, cook, soak for five hours, pour the water away and then boil in fresh water for 30 minutes. I guess that's okay. Messaging. I mean,
0: I, right. I mean, what do you think? I think it's okay. I think this, that, you know, this, this isn't, and, and this is, I'm going to go back you know, to, you know what, Ben, I'll, 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 I'll say, uh, ABC FDA B minus <laughs> B minus. B- okay. A, ABC FDA B minus. I'm, I, I'm going to go, um, Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm going to lead uh, Two things are going to delete uh, make make this a problem, and I've I've now given you the snapshot uh, in your text so you can look at okay. it. Okay. Um, uh, one, it's hard to find this. It, it, the yep. The bad bug book is it for consumers? Is it not for consumers? Who's it for? And and it goes to my. I design.
1: do knows who it wants to be for.
0: It does That's know. part of the problem. Yeah. And if we want to make a snapshot for consumers, and this this exists in. Uh, a few places in this book. Um, we, we need to, to make sure that we know what we're trying to do with it. Right. Like in, in a lot. Of, so um, it, it it is, and and what I want to see in all of my messages, Don, and, and I know that boiling water has a temperature, but I actually want them to say, you got to get it to a specific temperature. So I'm going to give them a C plus for this, mm. uh, for hard to find, not well designed, not sure if this is the right spot for consumer snapshots and not specific details. And, and I'm going to add another thing in here. Um, you know, I, I have a, um, a pot that I plug in and cook food low temperatures for several, uh, several hours. That is not a slow cooker, but it is an instant pot. And, and I think that they don't mean that. In this case, because my instant pot uses pressure and gets the temperature up. So uh, I think we need to be updated and, and be specific, but thank you for the deep fed. He didn't know that we would then go ahead and rate, uh, this, this message on today's episode of a B CDC, a B FDA plus, but I'm going to give it a C, <laughs> a, what did I say? A C plus you gave it a B you minus, did. B minus I B C minus. plus. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, so we, we all, and because he's retired and he has lots of free time, apparently he sent us more feedback, um, which I've entitled, um, um, uh, deep fed honey feedback. Um, uh, and then he, he sends us a a YouTube link, uh, watch Brad make honey fermented garlic at, and then gives the YouTube, uh, link. Um, this is actually an improvement from his earlier video where he did not mention pH or adding cider vinegar. I've noticed other videos that show how, that show how to make this do not mention pH, they just mix garlic and honey. I'm curious whether this is a yeast fermentation or LAB, lactic acid bacteria fermentation, might depend on the microbiota on the garlic and in the honey at the time the ingredients are mixed, I agree. Um, If vinegar is not added and pH is not followed, what's the likelihood of C-bot toxin production? As you can see, during the fermentation, water leaches out from the garlic and raises the water activity, but to what level? It certainly appears to be watery. I think this would be an excellent MS or PhD project. Not only would the student use classic micro techniques, but whole genome sequencing and metagenomics could apply. Please, please, please do this research. And to that, I have to say, um, please, please, please find someone to fund the research and somebody will surely do it. Um, and, and of course, I'm making fun of our friend um, because he knows that it takes money to do research. Uh, we're not like the FDA where we just have all this money floating around.
0: <laughs> right, right, easy, yeah. You know, our friend Brad, is the same guy that we, uh, we talked about cured egg yolks on there. There was a, a link, uh, our, I mean, our, our, friend Brad from the, from the internet who did this honey fermented, um, garlic also has a cured egg yolk, um, video that, that we looked at.
1: Did I mention we have feedback on cured egg yolk too, Ben? No, but
0: go, you, you go ahead.
1: So uh this is um uh this is feedback from our our friend uh from Texas uh named Alex. Uh so we'll call him um Deep Texas. Deep Texas. <laughs> Deep Texas, deep in the heart of Texas. Um, uh, uh, this is so. This is feedback about the risky or not episode. Uh, okay, guys. I hope you don't start referring to me as quote the newly acquired pain in the rear close quote. Alex, we would never do that. Um, you're 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 a wonderful wonderful man, and you and you write to us with very good information. He says I, I enjoyed the podcast, and this in particular was highly interesting. Both answers, okay, now he's just sucking up. Both answers were magisterial, one addressing the risk numerically and the other from the process perspective. Oh, Alex. Um, anyway, I just wanted to share the link to a pre-proof of an accepted paper in Food Research International on this very topic. And he shares the link and he says, so still a lot of questions left to answer. So Don, I hope the experiments you said you would do, I've forgotten already what I said it would do, <laughs> will be completed and published sometime soon. So, so thank you, thank you, Alex, for that wonderful, uh, Deep Texas, for that wonderful feedback on an episode of Risky. That actually was an episode of Risky or Not. So, um, and we'll see if we can find the uh, link to the article here. So I sometimes have problems when I cut and paste stuff from PDF. So, yeah, the article is entitled Effective Curing and Heat Treatments on Salmonella Survival and the Physiochemical Properties of Chicken Egg Yolk. And actually, I think the article does really show that... Um, Uh, if you cure egg yolks and you don't heat treat them, um, salmonella will survive, right? Right, right. And then you, you can't, but you, but if you take the cured egg yolk, um, and you treat it, Um, if you cure it for two hours and you treat it at 62 degrees C for 30 minutes, um, you get a a 5.6 log reduction. So, um, and you can get a three log reduction if you go up to 80 in the oven. And so, yeah, and then you can, and and if you, if you do that 62 degree treatment, um, it keeps its physiochemical properties. So I, I don't actually, I don't think I need to do the research. I think actually it's already, uh, really been quite, quite well done by these, uh, these researchers who are from... Uh, the, uh, Brazil, yes. The Laboratorio de Microbiologica at Controle des Alamo- Alimentos. Uh, oh, from, uh, uh, Rio Grande do Sul. I know people from Rio Grande do Sul. Um, yeah, no, I don't actually, I know, I, I know, I know my friend Marcy is from Rio Grande do Sul, but uh, you know, she know one not person from Rio Grande do yeah. Sul. Yeah. Well, but she's from there. She's not yes. where she lives now. Now she lives in the different part of Brazil. That's uh, the, the pointy part, uh, where it's warm. <laughs> Uh, that's how, that's how I refer to God, it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The warm, the warm part of Brazil. Uh, it's the, the part, it's the part that
1: pokes out into the Atlantic the most. It's the furthest east most, uh, part of, um, uh, the Americas. Oh,
0: that's, that's great. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I don't know how, what to go next. Uh, so, but I'm going to do some follow up here from okay. uh deep home food preservation. Um, and so <laughs> our, our front front of the show, <laughs> Um, who we won't reveal, uh, um, uh, this person's name sent us a message that said, this is in my cook's illustrated magazine that came today, uh, November, December, 2012 safe or not. And I think she, she meant risky or not, but I think we're going to talk, we're going to tackle it right here. Um, it is oil cured cheese. So it's queso en asiete or cheese in oil is a centuries old Spanish trick for preserving cheese. The oil serves as a barrier against bacteria and other microorganisms, keeping the cheese safe to eat for many months or even years without refrigeration. After a month or so of curing in the oil, the cheese absorbs enough of it so it takes on a soft, yielding texture, and its uh, flavor blends with that of the oil. Because the oil tenderizes the cheese, this method can even be used to restore the texture of cheeses that have dried out that are too hardened to eat. So here's the method, and I want to get your take on this. Use only, and this is the this this part's important. Only dry, hard, crumbly cheese, such as manchengo, Parmesan, or even aged Gouda or Cheddar. Trim trim off the rind, and then cut the cheese into cubes or planks about a half inch across. Pack the pieces tightly, clean into mason jars, leaving an inch of space below the rim of the jar. Uh, in parentheses, here's a fun part. Some cooks like to add dried herbs or spices, which will flavor the oil, but we didn't find their flavors noticeable in the cheese itself. Complete, cover completely with extra virgin olive oil, making sure that the cheese is fully submerged. Take care here because any parts of the cheese that are not submerged will grow mold. Seal the jars and then store at room temperature for up to six months. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think, Don?
1: Uh, Well, first of all, uh, someone is here to repair the furnace, um, uh, and the dogs are freaking out. So apologies. And and I didn't want to mute, which I would normally do, because the last time I muted, I think it caused more disruption than even the dogs, Um, because then I I couldn't uh, hear me, and you couldn't hear me either. So... um, uh, you know, I think that this, 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 so this was nominally for discussion on our other show where we're not allowed to, right. uh, dither or equivocate, but there, there is a fair bit of dithering and equivocating, which need to be done here. So I think the, the, again, the detail, the devil is in the details on this one. What is the water activity of the cheese? And, and if it is a low water activity cheese, I think this is a relatively low-risk process. Um, now, you you did, I think, raise the point about dried herbs and spices, um, but I'm... I'm, again, and and we know, we know garlic for sure. We absolutely know garlic and oil is risky because there have been outbreaks, CBOT outbreaks linked to garlic and oil. Um, generally speaking, extension folks, including myself, and and I co-authored a, a paper with uh, with this the the person that sent us the the query, um, which and we'll we'll link to that paper as well. Um, basically, talking about this. Um, I, I really don't think there's much of a bot risk from herbs or spices just because, again, they start off at such a low water activity. What you what I would worry about is putting foods into the oil, putting cheeses into the oil, where um, the, the cheese is not a low water activity cheese, right? And so the oil is low water activity. Uh, the cheese is, depending on the type of cheese, is low water activity, but... <clears throat> Many of these cheeses, like a, a Parmesan, for example, we keep it in the refrigerator at our, at our house, but that's for quality reasons, right? We, it doesn't need to be refrigerated for food safety reasons. And, and even even something like a cheddar, um, uh, and again, we probably, probably could find some papers by, by, um, uh, friend of the show, uh, Kathy Glass, whose lab, uh, listens. So shout out to Kathy's lab. Uh, hi guys. Um, <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're avid listeners of the show. Um, I guess, I guess, I think her lab is still open in the pandemic, but anyway, um, so that's, that's my, that's my dithering and equivocating on this, but I know you said you were also going to do some follow-up research on, on the particular cheeses. Do you have anything else to add?
0: I do. So well, Gouda was the one that, um, the deep home food preservation uh pointed out right so so hard cheeses like Manchengo, uh parmesan or even aged gouda or cheddar and in fact gouda is the one that i worry about the most with this and so um i just dropped you a paper um from uh 2016 and i think the senior author on this is uh marcels uh oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh and 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 so this goes into aging, ripening of Gouda cheese, not aged Gouda. And the water activity that they talk about, the pH basically is in the five, two, five, three range. And the water activity is like 0.95. And I think if you're going to drop unaged Gouda into this, that's a problem, right? So the issue is do people who read cooks illustrated know how to decide what dry, hard crumbly cheese is. And, and by saying, well, this is Gouda should this go in, that's that that I think is risky. I, I think that the, the like the I, I'm not as concerned about the cheddar. I think we've got lots of good data on um, water activity of of cheddar um, but but it's it's really this this gouda. And the the other thing and, and it was it was actually deep home food preservation that brought up the idea of uh, of the the the, the er, dried herbs. The difference here is, Is someone who's going to do this? Are they drying their own herbs? Are they, you know, are these commercially dried? Are they, you know, shelf stable? Are they just like what? Are what's the water activity of these dried herbs as well? And and I don't I don't know. So why couldn't you, Don, if you wanted to make oil cured cheese, cure this in the refrigerator, like? it, right. Wouldn't that just reduce the risk here? By, well, it would, it would it would slow the it would slow the aging process, but it would absolutely
1: reduce the risk.
0: Yeah. But if you're going to you're going to do this for 6 months anyway at room temperature, are we talking 8 months for the same kind of like oil penetration in the refrigerator? I don't know. I mean, Yeah. Uh, so so uh, yeah, that that was the the my my sort of thought on this. Um I don't I mean, I don't think that we're going to see a whole bunch of botulism cases linked to oil-cured cheese, but I still think that this is probably not you know, with all the caveats that we talked about and why I wanted to talk about here, um, and maybe we'll we'll revisit on a future episode of risky or not, is this this needs a little more like it needs some more information. They need to they need to talk about. Um, exactly. And I, I don't think they need to get into water activity, but I think they need to say what they mean by these hard crumbly cheeses and which ones you shouldn't use. And, right, and, right. and, and refrigeration sh- certainly could be um, a, a good way to, to manage risk here.
1: Yeah, and I will, and actually, so so uh, deep um, food preservation, or whatever, whatever we're calling her, um, uh, is um, uh, sent us a, a, a snapshot from the article, but I, it actually is also on Cooks Illustrated online, um, and in the in the online article, it says use only a dry, hard, crumbly cheese such as Manchego, Parmesan, Parmesan, or even aged Gouda or Cheddar. And yes. so, I guess the question is, is that descriptive enough? for somebody to say, Oh, and I'm just going to read that quickly. And Oh, I'm just going to grab this Gouda. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. So I found the thing that I wanted to to ask you about. Sure. Um, and it was in an email that, that we received over the weekend. Um, and, and not a, uh, um, uh, not, not, not related to our, our work here on on this podcast or our other podcasts, but it was a paper that was published, um, about Listeria in frozen vegetables in England. So the paper is entitled, Occurrence of Listeria and coca Coli in Frozen Fruit and Vegetables Collected from Retail and Catering Premises in England, 2018 to 2019. Um, And so this was published in the International Journal of Food Microbiology. Reading from the Abstract. Um, it, there were 1,050 frozen f- fruit and vegetable samples collected um, over a five peri- month period for in 2018 2019. Um, of these, 99% were satisfactory or borderline microbiological quality. 11 samples had greater than 100 CFU of E. coli, considered unsatisfactory in products labeled as ready to eat. Listeria monocytogenes and other Listeria species was detected in six samples, 2% of fruit compared to 167 samples, which is 24% of vegetables and six samples of fruit and vegetable mixes, but none at a level greater than hundred CFU per gram. Um, And and so this, this is uh, I think going to be something that, um, regulatory bodies, uh, will look at, um, the, you know, it goes back to one of these age long discussions that we've had on, um, on food safety talk about zero tolerance for listeria in frozen, uh, fruits and vegetables and and other frozen foods. And, And so what, you know, what do we do? What do we make of this? What do we do with it?
1: Oh is it the question for me? Yeah, that's a, yeah, or do you okay, want I thought you I thought you were I thought you're you uh, asking a rhetorical question. Um, I think I I think it's really good work. It's a really nice survey. I what I what I think well, what I think we should do with this is we should use this to continue to pound on FDA um over the ridiculousness of a zero tolerance for listeria. Um because c- clearly uh, they, again, there's a wonderful article published by Jenny Scott before she joined the dark side or the other side, <laughs> depending on your point of view,
0: um,
1: the, uh, on um, list is entitled some, and, and Yuan Chen, I think was the primary first author, and something like Listeria low levels equals low risk, right? And they did a similar survey in the U.S., and they showed that, generally speaking, Listeria is present at low levels. and And I think... You know, if you have a zero tolerance, it provides, it gives the industry a disincentive to test. And 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 certainly, again, back to our earlier discussions about uh, SARS-CoV-2 and dose response, okay, yes, I get, I get that there is theoretically a risk from even a single listeria cell. But with listeria, we have a pretty good idea of what the dose response model is, and again, we can argue over the details and what exactly is the model. But but even, you know, even a low level of listeria is, is unlikely to present a risk to most people. And I think that you have to weigh, like, what's the, what's the advantage of having a zero tolerance? Well, maybe you're preventing illnesses, but maybe not because the industry's not testing, right? Because if they test and they find it, then, then they don't, they don't, don't want to, don't want to deal with that. And so they're not, they're not going to do that. So, um, if you allow them a small level, then they can test and then, and then they can, when they find small levels, like they, like they would have found in the blue Bell ice cream, they can then, Investigate, right? And and you can and again, this is to the to the point of our article, which I think has now been accepted in food control. That was written um, with a, a team that the American Fro- Frozen Food Institute put together. Um, you can actually design a testing plan that is more pre- protective of public health. That includes more samples that has a Z that has a non-zero tolerance, right? And so from a statistical point of view, you can design a testing plan that allows for some listeria. But if you, if you implement that testing plan is more protective of public health than the current plan, which is to collect a small number of samples and then, and to not allow any listeria in it. So yeah, um, Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this testing shows, and I'll, I'll read you what I wrote to the person that sent it to us. Um, testing shows low levels. If companies could test without penalty, they could investigate. Um, and then the respond, the respondent says, couldn't agree more. FDA is stuck on how to deal with the presence of the hazard at any level. Yeah. yeah,
0: And I I mean, I think this is like, I I couldn't agree with you more. We've got a situation here where, yeah, if, if you look at the presence numbers, right? Someone it, it looks alarming. To, to someone who doesn't follow this to say um, 167 samples, 24% of the vegetables um, had Listeria monocytogenes or other Listeria species. But the end of that sentence, which I did not, I didn't mention on, on purpose, because I wanted to have this discussion, was none at a level of greater than C, 100 CFU per gram, which is the EU legislation regulated threshold. Right, so so what we don't know in our U.S. system with a hundred with zero tolerance when no one's testing is what you know we we don't have that preventative measure coupled with um, sampling because there's a disincentive to do this in our processing facilities to look to see how much is over that hundred uh, CFU per gram and how much is less than that. We just don't we don't know. There's not like it, it's not a um, we just don't, we just don't have that, have that data here. It actually looks to me like uh, all the headlines around this and, um, uh, food safety news. Let me, let me read from theirs. Cause this is what, what I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit. Um, uh, said something like, you know, you know, 60%, uh, where is it? Food safety news. Let me get it. Let me get it. Correct. on. Mm-hmm. um, um, Uh, Listeria, this is the headline Listeria found in a quarter of frozen veg in England. Yes. Right. Correct. But it's not even burying the lead to like, it just doesn't really exist where it talks about it. it, All of the vegetable samples were within the tolerance. Like it's within the level that's, that's allowed. That is risk-based and And so, to me, this almost shows that the system is kind of working, right? Like like that that right. that that we didn't see in this uh, you know, a thousand samples, that's a lot over this five month period, and nothing a- above that that hundred CFU per gram threshold is pretty surprising to me. like like it 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 looks like it's working based on right on this. Like,
1: and I guess the other question I would ask is, during this time period when they were collecting all these samples, um, did any,
0: were any of these linked to outbreaks? Right. And, and I don't, and I don't think so. I think when I read the article, they, they do talk about outbreaks that happened around the same time. Um, but, but not, um, related to this, to, to this, this, uh, um, sampling. Um, so um, let, me, let me read here. Um, an outbreak of listeriosis was reported in the U.S., um, which we've talked about, um, whole genome sequencing. A further outbreak of listeriosis occurred between 2015 and 2018 and involved 53 cases um, across six European countries. The source of the outbreak was traced to stru- sweet corn grown and frozen in Hungary. The use of WGS identified the outbreak strain. Um, which was detected in multiple frozen foods and surface swabs within a single plant in Hungary where vegetables was, were processed. Uh, the food chain uh, associated with this pro- producer was highly complex. Um, a further case of listeria meningitis occurred in England in February and uh, in 2019. The outbreak strain was identified Um, recovered from samples of cheese and frozen sweet corn collected from the, uh, patient's domesticated, uh, refrigerator. The sweet corn was from one of the recalled batches traced to the Hungarian plant, but, but they don't say anything about that. That was linked to this, you know, the WGS that they share shared was linked to this, uh, this work. Right. So I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. They, they, Uh, I'm yeah
1: yeah, it's not we, they could have done a better job. I, I think that there might have been because they they do they do talk about the one of the five SNp clusters related to el uh, uh, mono CC six, which was the strain isolated from sweet corn, right? So yeah, I, it would yeah, it would be
0: but but I don't think that these are part of that their survey. like you're looking at figure two, right?
1: Yeah right.
0: I don't think that's the data that they're talking about from their thousand and fifty frozen fruit samples. But maybe 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 I'm wrong. Mm. I could be I could be wrong. The one yeah the way that I read it that was they were reporting the the outbreak samples that were in that that were done as part of the investigation. Anyway. Um. So I, yeah, I guess the 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 takeaway from me is yes, there are. The, the yes laria exists in frozen vegetables and in in this paper from this survey it is less than the um risk-based uh thresholds
1: right right
0: yeah um okay yeah uh, i don't know uh, yeah uh what else what else what else do you want to talk about
1: well, um I, I think that could be a show. I did I did just look down at my call recorder and it says that we've been recording for 40 minutes, Ooh, which is which is not, not true. correct. Not true. Um so I suspect with my plugging and unplugging, um I may have uh, fractured the recording into multiple components. So
0: I have I have I witness, the actual com- the record yeah. I an hour and 42 minutes, so I think we're yeah, good. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, and this, this one is mine. So, uh, if you would, um, when we wrap here, you can, if you can just send, send me your recording, that would be great. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. So I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I think that's a show. I think it's a show.
0: Uh, so this has been another, uh, food safety talk. Um, Don, as always, I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy our, 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 uh, therapy sessions, uh, that I, that I like to think about where I can talk about my risk exposure and reason with you that helps me make decisions and talk about all the fun stuff that's going on in the world of food safety. Um, so, uh, so as always, it's good, it's good to talk to you. And I work the frog out of my throat. I think it's, uh, I think so. It's less froggy
1: work, work the frog out of your throat and work the dogs into my background. So perfect.
0: Good. All right. Boy, they're really they're annoying me today. (laughs) Hey, we you know people don't come for the audio, Don. They come for for the discussion.
1: Oh, and I will mention. I alluded to this at the beginning, and we will link to this early in the show. Um, I once again have thought about this wonderful um, 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 uh, panel at South by Southwest on actually on blogging. Uh, by John Gruber and Merlin Mann, um, uh, on obsession plus topic plus voice, um, uh, and, and, and which has somehow morphed into, you know, come, come for the topic, stay for the voice or something, um, which is, which might be a different quote from, from Merlin Mann, but, uh, we will link to this wonderful, uh, 43 folders page, uh, with some great drawings by, uh, by Dave Gray. So, and it's a, it's a, it's worth, it's worth listening to the, uh, the, the actual, uh, uh interview.
0: Cool. I will check that out. I've not listened to that before. Or oh, used. you have not yeah. oh, No, very no, good.
1: Yeah, it's very good. It's, it's more than ten years old now, but uh, yeah, it's it's great. Anytime Merlin and John get together, I, they always have. I find they always have good things to say. So uh, I would I would highly, highly recommend it.
0: Cool. I'll check that out. All right. Uh, bye-bye.
1: Bye bye. Bye. Uh, How how loud were the stupid dogs? Oh no, yeah, they're They're really loud. No, no, they
0: weren't. Like maybe a couple of times while while we were talking, but for the most part, I didn't I didn't hear them. One of my kids is watching, like so. Sam's on. It's got to be Sam. He's on uh, fall break right now, so he is watching an action movie directly behind me. I can (laughs) hear like the 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 music and yeah, the explosion. So I don't know if you could hear that at all. Um, I could hear none of that. Oh, good, good, good. Um, I don't, so I was thinking about this. I'm going to, let me, I want to, I, I want to pitch something to you since you're doing sure. all that really heavy work on risky or not. And we're doing a lot of recording to, to stay sort of current on that and releasing three a week. Do you want me to just do all the stuff for this podcast? Like, I don't mind doing the editing, um, for this and, okay. and cause I'm not doing any, like you're, you literally doing everything on risky or not.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so, so it's kind of like if we split our you know, you're doing three quarters of the work. I'm doing one quarter of the work. And and I, I would, okay. I, at least in the, guilty about that. yeah, well, and, and I've got, and I don't want you to like, you know, I was thinking about today. It's like, Oh, you've got some stuff to do for risky or not, because we're, we're now close to the end of, of what we've recorded. That's in the can. And, um, and then you've got this one now too. So I, I'm, I'm totally happy to, to take these, to take all the food safety talk. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, that's, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, good, good, good. And it's actually better because, like I said, the audio, uh, the audio, my uh, audio is going to be a pain right. on my mind just because there's at least broken into at least two two components. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't no, yeah, don't worry about that at all. And then I can. All right, I'll just. And get, I, I've, I've, I've captured, it. I've
1: captured a bunch of, uh, I've captured a bunch of potential titles, um, but not, but not in that latter half of the show. But because, um, uh, because I, I just got involved in the conversation and we didn't say anything that was really funny or a yeah, good yeah. title, but. There's a, there's a bunch of really good titles, um, from early in the show. Oh, I
0: forgot to put out the other titles in the tweet from last one. I'll do that now. Okay. Cause we, you know, let's keep the, keep the content fresh, right? Uh, The, when, out we got, we we're you gotta, you gotta keep creating content. Um, cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I've got this and, and I'll just like take them all going forward until it becomes overwhelming or I get four behind and then I need help. (laughs) Or whatever. Okay. Yeah. That that sounds that sounds fine. Yeah. Cool. Um, I okay. Do we have? I'm trying to look at my calendar. We we're not doing risky or not this week. Do we, do we, have, we even have
1: one on the books?
0: I don't think we do. Is that
1: possible? Yeah. It is because I think I said because once I so the last. Recorded one drops tomorrow, and then and then we've got a bunch more, and then and then I think we I think we said let's yeah let's just not schedule one. We could schedule one now. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, okay. Oh wait, October no, October twenty two. have our schedule
0: for for October twenty two. Oh yeah, in the afternoon. Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. I was I was looking for it. I couldn't see it. So October, uh, good. Um, so October twenty one. We just got a little door notice from uh, Duke Energy, our energy provider, saying. Um, potentially because of work that we are doing, you will not have power on October 21st from 8am until 1pm. Um, which is awesome for a variety of things. One is, I don't know, Don, if you know this, but my kids are both on virtual school, which requires the internet and also, um, power. Huh. Um, so, so they, they will maybe not be going to school that day, but I have a note in my calendar, not to record, not, not to schedule anything. anything. Yeah. Yep. So, so yep. that's off the books, but that is, and, and I had missed that. We, uh, like I was thinking we were still scheduling risky or not. So we're yep. good. Okay. Um, so the 21st, so the, we, the 27th is weird because that like two weeks from that's IAFP week. Right. And I have a symposium, uh, two weeks from right now. That, yeah, or, or yeah, not supposed uh, by
1: round. I table. do too. I think we're in the same round table.
0: Oh, we could, maybe are we? Is round it, table six. I don't know. It just says uh,
1: practical and science based performance standards and alternative to zero tolerance. Maybe not.
0: No, no, I don't think I'm in that one. Okay. Well, I think we just recorded that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh so I could do um Monday the twenty sixth in the morning, but I think that's when the Ivan Parkin lecture. I haven't put everything on my. I've kind of blocked out that whole week or Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday. So why don't we just not have anything? What if you looked at, say, the 30th or, yeah. Could you do the 30th? Uh, I,
1: know. I've got a I've got lab meeting and seminar in the afternoon and then I've got a, yeah, that's all right. uh, a call in the morning.
0: I got, I'm holding all day on the 29th for the Texas Environmental Health Association. Let me see if I have a specific time on that. i uh, That's a meeting that I have gone to in person a bunch of times and I love it because it's in Austin, um, but but I'm doing it virtually. I don't have any, I got I don't know. So I'm currently holding all day. I don't know what time I'm speaking. Okay. So that's not very helpful.
1: Yep. You know what's something that is really helpful? I just discovered, and I think I knew this, but I'm just rediscovering it. I'm gonna share it with you. When text expander gets blocked by login window, that command forward slash thing still works. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Which is which is awesome because because I, I use that to do stuff like put the show note links into the file. Oh, oh man, awesome. that is so cool. All right. All right. So, um, what, what
0: if we looked at? Okay. So, I'm I'm holding the 28th, but I don't have a roundtable at all. I don't have anything in my schedule, and there's not a IAFP I think like live thing that I w- want to go to yet. So, what if we tried to do the morning of the 28th?
1: Well, so I I am speaking at IAFP, but I but I think that that's one of the ones I have to pre-record. Cool. So I think I could do it.
0: Okay. Why don't we? Tentatively pencil in here the 28th in the morning because I my guess is that the silica Lecture would be in the afternoon, right? I haven't looked. I'm just holding all day. So Um, let's let's do like let's do 9 a.m. Again That works and if you Have like, uh, we can yeah my my
1: my talk my talk is scheduled for 10 30 um, But like I said, I think I have to pre-record it, so yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't see the point. I mean, I, I don't really see the point of having it on my calendar. If I, it makes, I, I don't quite understand what they're doing. Yeah, because if it's pre-recorded, it shouldn't matter. What it can be, it doesn't have to be at a certain time. <laughs> so I don't quite understand that, but okay, yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, I just got a. Uh, I said, oh gosh, because I just got a, a string of texts of. A a um, snake was found in our um, in our kitchens.
1: <laughs> oh no! Oh, yeah. and
0: you're in Dinah's kitchens.
1: Yeah, who's yeah. in the kitchen with Dinah? Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh gosh, uh, mm, that's exciting. Eww, and it's maybe it's a copperhead. Eww. Oh
1: Jesus! Know, Dinah's
0: kitchens. All right. See what happens when people vacate.
1: Yeah, the, the snakes come. The
0: snakes come in. The snakes are taking over. Uh, cool. Okay. So that's, that's set. Um, all right, cool. I think that's it. All right.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll let you know, I'll, I'll do some investigating, but I don't really think there's any, I don't, I don't think the fact that my pre-recorded thing is at that time is matters, but I'll let you know if it does so we can work around it, but I think we're good.
0: I think it just drops at that time. Okay. <laughs> right. Like 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 I think that's the, that's the uh that's when your your album on uh zero tolerance drops.
1: Ah comes out, right? <laughs> comes out, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So they they release it uh at that at that time. So you so everyone's waiting in line, uh refreshing their websites and then all of a sudden it's there. <laughs> that uh, that's how it's gonna go, right? Yeah, because everybody wants to hear my talk. <sighs> here's here's the thing. I appreciate that everyone is doing their best on this, and I, I agree it's it is hard to get excited about it. And I feel really bad for IAFP and the staff who are putting this all together. Cause I think it's, I think it's hard. I think it's hard. Oh, to... it's
1: super hard. They've never done it before. Yeah. Um, they probably never will have to do it again. Yeah. Um, and it's a ton of time. Yeah.
0: And, and it's, and we're all kind of like, not, you know, the, the beauty of IAFP is I show up and I know what the schedule is right? I don't have to think right. about it. I right. know that the Ivan Parkin lecture happens on Sunday evening and right. that, that, that I'll, I've got a, i will i have got I have an app in my phone that I can search to say, what are the things that I'm interested in? It'll tell me what rooms to go to. And I don't, I really don't have to think about it. I know that it starts at eight 30. I know that there's a break at 10. and you know, like all of that stuff is ingrained in my mind after going for, for 20 years. And this, this switch to the online, um, process is, is the best, thing that anybody could do to manage it, but it also is like takes brain space to figure out how to uncouple what we normally do. And, and I, you know, there, I, I really, I don't know. I really appreciate what IAFP is doing. And I think it's hard to do. Like, I think that it it is, it's hard to do it. And I think it's hard to get people to motivated to, to go as well. Right. Like, like to, to quote air air quote, go to it. Right. Oh yeah. So, um, all right, uh, I think that's uh, I think that's an after show too. So I've got this one; you don't have to worry about it. Yep. it's a wrap. Yep, uh, I
1: will I, I will I will drop the the titles I captured plus the show note links uh, into a text file, which you can see.
0: Cool. And I worked on a thing the the Larry Lynch thing yesterday, so I hope to finish that off today for you to take a look at before I send it to him on the restaurant stuff that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago. Cool. Do, you, do you remember that? Do I? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So it, it is sitting with me and I'm almost done. It
1: Sounds good. Cool. All
0: right. I will, uh, I will talk to you later.
1: All right. Talk to you later.
0: Bye-bye.